it became more palpable the effect that it was having on people's individuals and couples mental health um so yeah it was you know whether it was a mom talking about their kids being glued to their phone or their partner being glued to the phone or in the case of a couple them both admitting you know it, it was an issue for them you know that it, that it had interfered with their intimacy first thing in the morning who do they reach for their phone rather than each other so it was kind of coming from all angles in lots of you know another facet was um you know not being able to switch off from work so it had lots of different kind of touch points in in terms of mental health and relationships but work and not being able to draw a line, not being able to draw a boundary with work, because, of course, you can access your work from anywhere mm. at any time. Now, you don't need to be confined to the office or even a laptop or a, a clunky computer. Mm. You know, you can you can be working from your bed as soon as you wake up or right until you fall asleep. And unfortunately, a lot of people choose to do that because they can do it. In today's conversation, I'm talking to Hilda Burke. Hilda is a psychotherapist and a counsellor based in London. And we're going to talk about an immensely interesting and invaluable subject, I think, in today's society now more than ever, smartphone addiction. Um, Hilda published a book called The Phone Addiction Workbook. And in it, she gives advice and, and guidance on how to, to cope if you feel you're becoming dependent and spending too much time on your smartphone. She, she also talks about things you should look out for and things you can do to reduce that dependency. So like, comment, subscribe as well if you can. It really helps the algorithms and enjoy the conversation. I thought it was immensely valuable, fascinating, and, and really, really important to hear what, what Hilda had to say. Thank you. Hilda, thank you so much for joining me. Um, the, the the first question I wanted to ask you, and I think that the subject matter is is one that's going to be immensely interesting to a lot of people. Smartphones are are obviously ubiquitous um, in society. In your work as a psychotherapist, when did it become apparent that there was an issue? I'd say about six or seven years ago, it started to creep in really in, into the sessions and it became more palpable, the effect that it was having on people's individuals and couples mental health. Um, so, yeah, it was, you know, whether it was a mom talking about their kids being glued to their phone or their partner being glued to the phone or in the case of a couple them both admitting you know it, it was an issue for them you know that it, that it had interfered with their intimacy first thing in the morning who do they reach for their phone rather than each other so it was kind of coming from all angles in lots of you know another facet was um you know not being able to switch off from work so it had lots of different kind of touch points in, in terms of mental health and relationships but work and not being able to draw a line, not being able to draw a boundary with work, because, of course, you can access your work from anywhere mm. at any time. Now, you don't need to be confined to the office or even a laptop or a, a clunky computer. Mm. You know, you can you can be working from your bed as soon as you wake up or right until you fall asleep. And unfortunately, a lot of people choose to do that because they can do it. And um, so, yeah, it was kind of coming up 
in a lot of different guises and um, problematic guises um, for mm. people. I mean, you know, obviously phones, I'm not anti-phone per se. Um, I do own a smartphone and some advocates of, you know, who, who speak about phone addiction and whatnot don't, but I'm, I'm mm. very transparent about the fact that I do. And there is some great, certainly some positive, some amazing things that, that, you know, um, mobile communication has enabled, but I think certainly how it was showing up in the therapy room was the the negative aspects of of being sort of always on, no matter where you are. Um, and in terms of usage versus dependency, when do we? What are the indicators, and when do we start to move from having a phone as as a utility mm. to becoming dependent? Yeah, I think you know that that there there's um. The Center for Internet Addiction, mm. it's called Center for Internet Addiction. Um, they have, and I can, I'm happy to share that the link, a sort of um, a questionnaire that will kind of show how dependent you are, mm. and there's a number of criteria for that. But, but I think you know, a, a kind of a simple rule of thumb is, you know, how do you feel when you you go to work or you've got out without your phone for the day, and mm. um, how. How bereft do you feel? How lost do you feel? How distraught do you feel? You know, for some of us, it'll be like, oh, that's that's annoying, you know. Mm. But for others of us, it, it will be like an alcoholic without a drink, you know, mm. twitching. That, that's going to be a problem. How am I going to get my fix? You know, can I go home at lunchtime? Can I? So, you know, I think it's the, the kind of the emotional attachment to the phone and the impact of not having access to it, I think is a really good kind of litmus test as to how attached we are and how, how dependent we are. But you know, there's, you know, how long can we go without our phone? Um, how much do we use it? All those things are, are indicators as well, but I think it's really the emotional connection mm. to it and, and that feeling of how lost we are without it, that that gives a good insight into, you know, our level of dependency. Um in terms of what's happening in the brain, now I know you're you're not a neuroscientist, but you're you're a yeah. psychotherapist and a psychologist. What 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 do you think is happening there in terms of dopamine and serotonin? Um, yeah, I, I, I've got a, a very good friend, Anya Kelly, who is a neuroscientist at Trinity, and I've spoken to her about it. And she she's you know she, Anya is very scientific, as you would expect from a scientist. Mm. So she's like you know you can't say exactly, but you know it's it, it's suggested it's you know it's likely what's going on it's it's a dopamine fix that we're getting from our phones it's a dopamine rush from and of course it's not just the phone it's not just the smartphone it's mm. what's on it mm. you know it's the likes it's the matches it's the validation that we get it's the connections it's you know being endorsed for things all these things that really feed our ego you know mm. our identity and and then that, that's what that's what's sticky on the phone because you know we we had mobile phone mobile phones have been around for like probably since the early 80s you know it was privileged kind of wall street stockbrokers and people in the city with their big chunky devices but you mm. know they've been around a pretty long time but no one really spoke about addiction then and i think it was because there's so much so so much you can get from a text and a call. Mm. Of course, depending on what the call is, you could get a huge dopamine rush. It could be someone calling up to tell you how great you are, how wonderful. So, you know, but but I think that it's that the apps and the smartphones that that really are sticky and they're engineered to be sticky. Um that that keep 
us coming back for more and seeing how many followers do we have? How many likes do we have? How many matches do we have? How mm -hmm. many connections? So all that is really feeding our, 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 our need to be valued, our need to be sort of recognized in society, in a community. And of course, you know, dopamine's there for, we have it biologically for a really good reason. It, 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 it motivates us to mate, to sort of, to, to strive harder, to get out there, to kind of get the biggest animal, to, to bring home the biggest prize, all those things. You know, if we didn't have that, the, 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 the human race would probably die out because we're not getting those rewards for getting an attractive partner, getting a, you know, getting the biggest, whatever, buffalo out in the mm. field. So, you know, it's there. We need dopamine. But but I think with, with apps and smartphones and in the digital world, the online world, it's there's a lot of fast food dopamine so you know i could have 50 matches on tinder today possibly mm. or someone could maybe i wouldn't but maybe i would um but you know that's not the same as getting a mate you know to, to mate with and, and to create children with and everything you know not everyone on there even wants to meet so mm. it's these kind of but it fires up the same neurons as if we we had found an attractive partner to to mate with and create children with but it's kind of fast food it's not it's not necessarily real it could be real of course it could translate but but what we're getting off on is not the real mate it's this kind of possibility and it gives us that same rush the same mm -hmm. with likes you know i think you know again dopamine if being in a community um, being together with others, forming villages, all those things are, are necessary, for, were necessary for our survival in kind of more primitive societies. We'd have to share resources. We might have to defend ourselves against attacks. So again, being taken in, being accepted, it, it's really, it's an important, it was an important part, part of our existence in the past, but we're getting that, that sort of our primitive brain is, is getting the same sort of, and of course we do, a large, large part of our brain is primitive and it's getting, it's getting that approval from, oh, a new connection, a new match, or oh, people like what I'm doing. So we're kind of getting that same reward, but again, it's, it's sort of fast food. It's not, mm. it's not necessarily that these people are our friends, that we, they want to form community, they want to form lasting bonds with us or that they will be there if there's a, an emergency or a crisis. So I think that's the, that's the risk with, you know, and that's what makes it, that's what makes it sticky. Of course, the, the people who engineered these apps are some of the brightest brains on the planet. So they know, you know, that the, their knowledge of human behavior and psychology is, is incredibly refined. And it's, they're using that to, to make us more hooked on, on what, what they're, what they're selling, you know, because if, even if they're not selling anything, you know, it was a great quote um, I read a couple of years ago of if something's free, mm. you know, um, then we are the product, you know, yeah. it's our eyeballs are being sold then, you know, so it's our attention, you know, we're the, the most kind of um, limited and scarce resource we have our time and our attention is, is what we're giving. We can, you know, it's a free app. It's a free to download. But actually, you know, what we're giving up is way scarcer than money because, you know, money, we, we can make more money potentially, but we never get that time back. You know, our lives are quite short. So I think it's that it's that um, that's that's the risk if we're not conscious of how precious our time is and and 
the force that we're up against in terms of this this wanting to kind of cannibalize our attention and wanting to sort of um just just make us make us stay longer and mm. and interact more on, on these apps so it's quite you know i mean as i said there there, there are I don't want to be too alarmist because there are good things on, uh, there are some great apps, there's some useful stuff, but I mm. think we, we really need to be discerning when we realize that the kind of, the, the amount of investment that's, that we're up against in terms of, you know, um, retaining some of our attention for what we really find valuable, you know, for, for what we need it for. I did work in the technology industry. Ooh, right? you mentioned in a- that in a sales capacity, not on the engineering side. But one of the things we would track is bounce rate, Mm. right? So when an IP, a person comes on to the platform, we would be looking for the amount of time they spend on the platform and how many pages and where they go. Mm -hmm. And we would be monitoring how they interact and what their engagement is with the technology. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are teams and hordes of people thinking about ways to keep people engaged the longer they're on the platform the more advertising you can show right. to them yeah right yeah. um and that is a that's a lot to do with it um so okay so we we, we understand how it's affecting couples and relationships um pe- people talk about checking their phone and the word check i wanted to ask you about it. it's, it's an interesting word right mm-hmm. are they trying to alleviate anxiety or is the phone an anxiety-inducing device? I think both. Yeah. You know, I think when I I'm always curious about you know when clients will say, "Oh, I'd spend too much time on my phone on Sunday or Saturday or Friday night or whenever it was," and I'm like, mm. "What was going on for you? How did you feel on Friday night or Saturday or Sunday?" And it's like, "Oh no, I felt I felt really bad actually. You know, I." I was meant to go out with a friend and they cancelled and I felt really lonely and a bit low or, you know, it had been a shit day at work. And, you know, so it generally they're not going on. It's like, you know, reaching for a drink to drown your sorrows. They're not going on to it. Of course, you can go on to your phone and be perfectly happy. But these these are the periods they spend on their phone where they felt they've spent too long or they feel guilty about it. Mm. It's not mm. just going on to check something and, you know, maybe watch a funny video or something. It's not that it's, it's when they feel like I, I, I meant to just check something and I spent four hours, you know, it's that kind of, I just went out for a drink and then I don't remember how I got home. It's that kind of thing. I did just plan to go for a quick, it's the same sort of thing. So that kind of unconscious, you know, t- trying to kind of block out a feeling but mm. actually ultimately feeling way worse than, than when you started because they're going on t- to make themselves feel better. Mm. But inevitably, you know, that energy, that, that low energy will be attracted to, oh, look, look how everyone else is having an amazing time. Mm. Oh, God, everyone else is out tonight. And oh, my God, is that my ex-boyfriend? Oh, look mm. at his girlfriend now. Mm. She's gorgeous or she's ugly or whatever she is, mm. you know, so it's. You know, it's that kind of misery attracts misery. So it kind of tends to spiral downwards quite quickly. So it's that kind of, it's a kind of a lack of consciousness rather than, you know, I guess if you can catch yourself and go, okay, why am I going on my phone now? Even Mm. asking yourself that because I feel awful. Right. Mm. Okay. 
you know, even having the consciousness of, okay, what, what would help me feel better? Because most of my clients are aware. They'll go, I knew I'd feel, what, what did I expect? It's never a surprise, mm. you know? So it's, it, it's those patterns of being more conscious of stopping and asking oneself, why am I going mm. on this now? What am I looking for? Is there a better way, a better route to, to feeling better than actually scrolling on Instagram or whatever? And, um, mm. looking at these health influencers and, and whatnot, uh, whatnot and their sort of polished lives that they're presenting. So, yeah, I think to kind of, and I think having that just stopping and pausing can be really, just asking oneself the question, why am I going? But often it, it's very automatic, you mm. know, it's, it's it's very unconscious and it's kind of like reaching for a soother, but a soother that's like laced with, arsenic and mm. um, so so yeah I think it's yeah I think people go on it to distract like you say anxiety might be one thing it might be mm. just low mood whatever worry um but what they find then is is our content inevitably mm. to ultimately make them feel more anxious and then there's the guilt of the time spent so there's all mm. these layers started off at one level of an emotion and then there's all these other negative emotions then piling up as a result yeah i, I think it's important to cheat the algorithm the feed mm. right so what's happening is that they're building a, i believe that they're building a profile of you and then tailoring the content to suit they know you're going to have an emotional response to this this, mm. this, this and this and if you don't absorb the feed yeah. Stay away from that feed, and you are kind of cheating the the algorithm in a way. No, that's a really that's a really a really good point, and I think that's I heard that about Facebook at one time. It's the will you know keep giving you the the content that you engage most with or mm. look at. So even if it's I was talking to a friend about this something that really enrages you, and you're like, look what this guy is saying now, and you mm. forward it to ten of your friends to enrage them, so they'll mm. keep giving you more of that. So you keep getting into this you know, that this, this content that, that enrages you, but actually mm. whoever is, it might be misogynistic content or whatever, and you identify as a feminist, but actually you're, you're fueling whoever that content create. They don't care if you like it or you don't like it or whatever, mm. but again, it's your, your follower or mm. your, you know, you're downloading, you're on his page. So it doesn't matter. You know, the, that, I think that's the thing that we forget. It, it doesn't matter whether you're completely anti it, you're engaging with it. And like you say, you, you'll keep getting more of that, which will mm. keep getting you enraged and, and making someone very successful in the process. I'm very rich. Yeah. Mm. Um, in terms of comorbidities, right? Are you noticing that there's a correlation between excessive phone use and say mm. alcohol or mm. recreational drugs or sex addiction or work? Is there anything that you're noticing that's coming up with phone yeah, addiction that's that's a really good question um the, well the, the first thing that springs to mind is that um there was some research done on cardiovascular health and high cell use in, in u.s college students in 2013 and they really found a strong link there mm. between a lack of fitness and uh you know more sedentary lifestyle and and high phone use and that intuitively that seems that seems to make sense mm. for me um in terms of yeah I, I i you know what i'd have to i i haven't seen any research on that in terms mm. of my own 
observation and of course my sample size is very small um yeah i would say there is something in that there's kind of compulsive behaviors um mm. so yeah I, I think there probably is and that kind of that dopamine seeking you know whether it's sex or drugs or alcohol if there's that it's that lure to 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 be drawn to dopamine triggering activities then yeah it's just another source you know it's the same kind of it's the same drug ultimately mm. um and um, but different different ways to get there so intuitively i'd say yes there is a link but but i can't mm. you know i can't i don't i don't know any data i don't have any data mm. do you think we're going to see a 12-step program on rehab centers for I, well, there are there are already um I think in London there is an internet uh there's a clinic yeah. that offers internet um treatment mm. internet addiction and um, I I would say so mm. yeah I, I would definitely say that that will be a thing uh, probably in the not too distant future um I think you know it, it is different because you know with alcohol gambling drugs there's a very usually it's a very clear impact on your work mm. or your relationship or money or your appearance, mm. you know, so th th others can become aware of it. Um, whereas with the, you know, smartphone addiction and it hasn't, it has not been labeled an addiction yet. It hasn't been given that stamp, you know, it hasn't what would, been. What would your feeling be? Um, it be? I, I think, you know, there has to be more longitudinal research. Smartphones have only been around 12, 13 years, so it's mm. not really long enough. Um, I think gaming has only recently been, you know, given that stamp. So it takes a while for these things to be. But certainly in terms of some of the hallmarks of addiction, mm. you know, things like substitute, you know, putting off things that are really important to you, like exercise, mm. like spending time with your loved ones, sacrificing things that are that are more your core values to mm. do more of the thing that you're addicted to. That's certainly there. That's certainly present, I think, in, in heavy smartphone users. It's like, <laughs> you know, I mean, it shows up a lot in terms of, um, you know, I, you know, I wanted to go to the gym, want to do some exercise. A lot of my clients are like, I have no time to to exercise. But then, you know, very quickly, it'll, it'll become clear that, you know, they spend three, four, five hours on their phone a day. So mm. stuff like that, kind of blind spots, you know, that, you know, things, important things are being sacrificed to to kind of serve this need, um, this compulsion. So I think, yeah, I think there are definitely some some hallmarks of addiction to be seen. Um, but, but as I said, I think it will probably take longer before there's it, it ticks all the boxes. Mm. Uh, should be recognized as an addiction by the dsm-5 which is like the american psychological association it's like a manual and it everything is you know it's it's quite rigorous in terms of what it includes so i don't think i don't mm. think there's enough evidence yet um irish people yeah look at their phones 40 percent more than the european average what's wrong with us yeah i i, I thought so in i i think like being at home and being here, I, I, it, it is evident to me just looking around. I mean, people are on their phone all the time here, but it does seem to have. I think what's different is there's more social acceptability from what I observe at home in terms of mm. phones at restaurants, on tables with families. Whereas here, I think that's kind of 
getting really get, getting more frowned upon here, but mm. at home it still seems to be acceptable. Um, and I think, you know, the Irish are very communicative. You know, mm. we're, we're big talkers, we're big communicators, we're, um, and I think that maybe that's just, it's translating into, we don't talk on the phone anymore, mm. but we, and WhatsApp groups and whatever. So I think it's just kind of transitioning, you know, our chat, we're chatty. That mm. that's our kind. That's what we're known as. I suppose it's hard to figure out culturally what it is um, in a, an entire culture psyche that makes us. Um, I, I don't know if, if there's any data or research on Irish people in particular. Is there? Do you know of that we about our our, uh, our um, maybe maybe we're more anxious. Who knows? Um, so I think. Well, I think we like to talk. Yeah, I think, you know, that there is there is. Um, yeah, I think we like to talk more, we like to engage with others more. Mm. And I think maybe that's just happening more in the digital space, mm. the online space than IRL. I think maybe that that could be one reason. Mm. In terms of gender differences and say, for example, use among young people and, and teenagers. Right. So. I, I'm obviously a permanent parent and it's something that I'm concerned about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, are we noticing like that girls will tend towards social media, whereas boys will tend towards um, video games? Mm-hmm. Um, do, 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 do we have any knowledge around that? I, that's a really good question. I have no idea. I mean, intuitively, I'd say that that would kind of make sense, but... Mm. I don't I don't work with you. I the, the youngest I work with is 18. Mm. So I don't don't really have a feel for how they're using their smartphones differently. Mm. Um, but but it could it could well be the case that they're you know they're they're on their phones but they're doing completely different things. Different things, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um what age would you think is acceptable to introduce I know this is a tricky question because it's different mm. with every every parent yeah. and every child but what age would you say would you recommend to parents okay we can oh, now have a conversation about smartphones oh that's I, again i i don't work with kids so i mm. am not a parent so that's kind of a minefield i i mm. mean just anecdotally from friends who have kids i some of them amazingly have held out to their children are 12 13 mm which is quite something, but I think, one. yeah, um, but they've really remained resolute in that and their kids play chess, you know, they play, it's like an old fashioned idyllic childhood. Mm. But I think what helps is that while most of their friends still do, do have smartphones, there is within their community, they used to live in Germany, now they live in Portugal, there are there are some other parents that are holding it, so they're not the only kids in the mm-hmm. playground without phones. Mm. And there's another friend of mine whose kids, uh, his kids go to um, uh, Waldorf school. Um, what do you call it? Um, you know where they get to do a lot of creative work. I think it's called Waldorf, um, schools. It, it, I, it, where all the Silicon Valley people send their kids to and there's mm. no devices which is really interesting yeah who so make all these the devices um, yet yeah, that they don't want their kids any near um bill bill gates mm. was like didn't give his kid a smartphone till they were 14 i think mm. again because they know exactly what they're doing and they don't want their kids it's like 
mm. you know, again, like a drug dealer who's like, will have like zero tolerance and kids trying anything. Mm. Uh, so it's, um, it's, but, but this lady I'm, I'm speaking about, she, in that school, there's very much an ethos of play, no digital devices. So she finds it easy because the kids' friends, none of them, have devices and they're like they're about 12 and 10 something like that so I mm. think I think it's probably easier if your social group you know other parents are kind of holding out as well but when everyone else in the class has a phone and they're the only ones that doesn't I think that can be really must be really difficult for parents to manage um ostracization stigmatization yeah. yeah bullying which seems to have moved online as well as something that we're noticing through the through the smartphones right yeah um people are people are um yeah there's bullying um like yeah we're we're, we're hearing reports of new self-image adjusting apps that mm -hmm. are appearing digital filters i don't know what do you think the effect of these digital filters are in in society right what, yeah. what... Mm, i think <laughs> i think it's really harmful actually i think it's we've become sort of losing touch with what a, a normal face looks like and yeah you know, i know there's a lot of you know in the beauty industry aside from these what these filters have led to is that mm. people go to aestheticians and go I want an Instagram filtered face, mm. you know, so whether it's the lips or the bigger eye, you know, procedures that will mimic the filters that you can use on Instagram so that when you're walking around the place, IRL, you can look like Instagram. Mm. So I think it's, I think like for anyone over 30, it's probably fine. We've kind of grown up with the kind of mainly in the formative years without these things. But mm. I think, for the younger generation and that are kind of just getting to know themselves and their place in the world, I think it can be really, really toxic. You know, I think it's, again, I think it must be really challenging for parents to navigate, to, to kind of reassure their kids that they're, they're fine. They're, they're normal mm. when, you know, there's this benchmark unrealistic, un, you know, unattainable, image of beauty that's you that's know that's conveyed through through digital channels mm. um if somebody wanted to become more resilient against excessive phone use they wanted to start a digital detox mm. right mm. what would this the, what would you recommend there so the first step i mean i would recommend is you know detox is like it, it sounds like scarcity it sounds like who wants to do a detox you know mm. you're gonna be you're gonna be hungry you're gonna be miserable you're probably gonna be bored you know it's it's just it's got such negative connotations for me at least anyway they're my associations mm. and so i think kind of how do you build resilience in anything is like over time you know you train that muscle how do mm. you there's there's a technique in my um in my book called what's it called weight training <laughs> weight training w a i t, -A -I -T. Training. yeah so it's like starting small it's not I think you know there's a lot of hoo ha about you know just this kind of I I think our 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 society really likes fast you mm. know fast results and transformation rapid transformation but actually 
you know, it takes between 24 days and 36 days to, to, to break a habit. So, you know, that's an estimate. So like we need to be patient with ourselves. So the first thing I think is like starting small, mm. how do you build that weight? You know, how do you build your tolerance to um, being without your phone? When I started researching the book, I that's exactly what I intended to do. How do I build up my tolerance for being without my phone? And mm. the first thing I did was, OK, when I go out to walk my dog, 45 minutes to an hour. That's fine, right? It's not that long. So I started there, I left my phone at home and um, just, you know, I think there was positive reinforcement there because I enjoyed my walk more. I had more interactions with people. I was looking up rather than checking my phone occasionally. And I was more engaged, more engaged with him. Um, and then I was like, actually, you know what? I want to do more of this. Not because it's good for me or not because, you know, none of the kind of virtue reasons, just it's actually relaxing. I Mm. feel like I'm having a break. And then I would take, you know, let's say I was going to the cinema locally with a friend and I knew where we're meeting and I'd let them know, like, listen, I'm not, I don't have my phone. So if you're running running late or anything, you can't let me know, but we'll meet there at five. So I might go out for three or four hours without my phone. And just build it up to got to a point where now Sundays I switch my data off and during Mm. Lent Saturdays and Sundays I switch my data off. But I couldn't have gone from using my phone four or five hours a day to taking a weekend off. It would have been too hard Mm. and I would have failed. And then I would have thought, oh, what's the point? You know, Mm. we set these really big, lofty, great sounding goals and we fail. We think, oh, it's useless. Mm. But I think by by setting smaller goals and building them up, it, it builds that that resilience that you spoke of. And it builds the the, the feeling that, you know, I, I, I can do this. It's not too bad. It's actually good. This is the thing. You know, you think, oh, I'm going to miss that, this, that mm. and the other. It's actually amazing how much he- more headspace you have, how much more relaxed you feel without with I mean I'm going to say without things pinging my phone doesn't ping I have it in silent but even still being aware of what might be on it and it just creates it just creates space for a break and you know Mm. our mind to just wander a bit and be creative and switch off as well which is really really important to mentally not not be doing that sort of computing about what am I going to write back to that person? Oh, that person left me a voice note. Where you know, there's a lot of calculating going on. There's a mm. lot of multitasking and switching between one thing and the other. So I think it's really powerful when we when we allow ourselves that opportunity, that time off, and just to kind of notice how it feels. Because I think the more we do it, actually, ironically, the more we want to do it. It feels rather than feeling like deprivatory, it feels like I'm having a break. Mm. You know, and another thing I do is. You know, on Sundays, I, I switch off data, but I can still make phone calls and people can call me. Mm. So, you know, a lot of people say, oh, what if people, if there's an emergency? Well, you know, I my I think it's really important to to let everyone important in your life know I'm not, I won't be on WhatsApp. But if, if there is an emergency, just make an old fashioned call and I'll pick up if I can. So I think, you know, that kind of, again, created opportunity for actually having a decent phone chat with someone. So I couldn't just send a lazy little WhatsApp, mm. you know, hey, how are you? Blah, blah. It was more like, I'd actually, okay, I'm setting aside an hour to, to catch up with a friend properly. 
um and that was really really helpful for my friendships as well so you know just going a bit deeper ha not having like 20 chats during the day with multiple people in groups and whatever and kind of skimming the surface but mm. actually speaking to one or two friends and and really having a proper catch-up plus there's the, there seems to be this thing in society where everybody's terrified of being bored mm. um, and we've lost an understanding of the importance of being idle mm. and the and when you're idle and when you're bored that's when the imagination fires. And that's when things come into the space and fill the space. Ideas. Mm -hmm. So how can you have an idea if you're constantly checking your phone? Right. Yeah, because we're consuming so much. There's no yeah. space to kind of create. We're taking everything mm. in, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. We need that space. Call it boredom, doing nothing to to kind of come up with those sort of loose associations you get when you're daydreaming gazing at a window, you know, it, it's really important to have that, that downtime. Mm. Yeah. Um, so everything from banking to school, WhatsApp groups relies on phone usage. How viable do you think it is to completely ditch the smartphone? Mm -hmm. um, can we go back to a 90s style flip phone? Is it too late? Is the, is it, is the, is it too late to stem the tide? Have we crossed the Rubicon? Ooh. Right. What, what would you, what would your, uh, what well, you, I, you know, I know some people. I know a guy who has a BlackBerry and he yeah. manages to do his banking and he manages to keep in touch with his friends and have a social life and mm. do most normal things without a smartphone. So it definitely can be done. I know other people. Um, I was quoted in this BBC article last year. It was on the back of a kind of some case studies on people who had totally ditched their smartphones. And but, you know, I have noticed and I met a lady on Saturday night at a party who, again, didn't have a smartphone, but her husband was very quick to point out. He's like, yeah, but I'm usually with her to order the Uber. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of um, surrogate use mm. going on. So, you know, I, I think and, and some of the people in the BBC case study, again, one lady had a husband with a smartphone, so was able to do FaceTime and whatever through that. So. Mm. You know, there are different ways of giving up a smartphone. You might not own one, but mm. you could be using one. So there are those kind of proxy um, approaches. But but I think, yeah, pe people do. Like, as I said, I, I know one guy who does and seems to live a content. He could have a smartphone. He can afford a smartphone, but it's just a, a choice that he's made. I think it's just, you know, things just take. He has the Internet, you know, he's got a laptop at home. So things just take maybe. It's not there when we're out and about, but when we go home, we can make that transfer, do that thing or whatever. So, mm. you know, we manage without them <laughs> up until, you know, really, I think 14 years, 15 years ago, 2007, the first iPhone. But it's, you know, really only in ubiquitous in the past eight or nine, mm. maybe 10 max, you know. Mm. So it's not when you consider like the billions of years we've been around we, we've managed to to do without for a long time so and as i said some people still do and mm. um, so it is possible yeah plus i mean you you spoke you you have you use a smartphone yourself but obviously you're able to manage it and you're very mindful and conscious of how, of how you use it and that seems to be the the overriding um message at this stage it could get worse Mm -hmm. Those engineering companies, those tech companies are working round the clock. Mm -hmm. I can assure you very <laughs> yeah. hard, right? Yeah, yeah, to make yeah. sure that you're looking at that thing around the clock, mm -hmm. right? 
Um, but the direction of travel, um, well, we'll see where we are in, in five years. So uh, one question I was going to ask is, what does a healthy relationship with your phone look like? But we, I think we've, we know that. Mm -hmm. I think we've discussed that. Um, so any final thoughts on phone addiction? That I, any questions that I haven't asked you that you think I should have asked you? I think you've I think you've pretty much covered it. It's quite exhaustive. Um but yeah, I mean I think like with you know trying to regulate any behavior, unwanted behavior in our lives, I think it's really important to remind ourselves that you know the force of the the brain power and investment mm. that's kind of stacked up against us. Um, and, and to kind of be to be mindful of our use, but also to go, it's not because we're a sucker. It's not because we mm. we have low willpower. Guilt. No, yeah. it, it's it's you know there is such an enormous effort into getting us to spend more time on it. So it requires you know if we want to change our relationship, it does require patience mm. and not to be too harsh on ourselves because you know it is it's quite something the amount of investment that's being made to, to, to make us do more and more and more and more and, you know, spend more time and to be more engaged with our device and to live in a way uh, online, you know, mm. and to kind of be drawn more and more into that world. So I think, you know, I, I would say, you know, be, be compassionate towards yourself and, you know, just be mindful, just observe, even if it's not, okay, I feel like shit. That's why I'm going on my phone. Okay. Well, even if you go on your phone, you've, you've, you've established a link, you've learned something. And maybe the next time, you know, it'll be, yeah, I feel like shit. Is there anything else I could do? You know, that might be more beneficial to me, might be more helpful to me. So it's just kind of observing your patterns and behaviors and, and, and trying to um, create some, some new behaviors that are more beneficial for your mental health. And that are not reinforcing the addictive smartphone addictive behavior. So going back on and on and on yeah. again. Yeah. Um okay, so the book is the phone addiction workbook. People can grab a copy in all good bookstores. Nationwide. <laughs> and Amazon, yeah. right? Sorry. And Amazon. They can get yes. it on Amazon as well. Yeah. Um, where can people find you online? Um Hildeburke.co.uk. And I'm on um, Instagram, Hilda underscore Burke under psychotherapist and Twitter, HB yeah. therapist. HB yeah. therapist. You notice my content isn't updated that that often. I did because I think I, I followed you this morning. Sorry? Uh, I think I, I followed you this morning and I, I noticed that as well. I think I, I, I added you as a... Um, on my yeah. yeah. Um, Thank you so much, Hilda. I think this has been really, really important and really useful and some fantastic ideas and, and the work that you're doing is really um, is really helpful uh, because the storm is coming and it's going to get greater. Yeah. Oh. So pay, pay portentous. I don't want to be a portent of doom, <laughs> but, but um, that was great. Thank you so much. Uh, pleasure speaking to you, Connor. It was lovely Take talking care. to you.